0: hello everybody and welcome to another episode of movie mem crap
1: that's the first time ever oh Sorry. he did it to himself Not Not scott you're line. off the podcast yep. <laughs> all right bye guys nice knowing you you're the <laughs> only one who has to say anything no come back <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one who has to say anything professional the whole time and it's yeah. it's finally starting it to get to, to you, you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like
2: i'm listening to these assholes say whatever the fuck they want for two hours straight <laughs>
0: To another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie discussion podcast, where four friends watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, interim Prime Minister Scott Murray, and I'm joined today by my fellow bureaucrats, pencil pusher Joel Lewis, hello, <laughs> paper stamper Tim Gerard, hello, and copy machine man and co Zeke Perez.
3: I'll take it. Hello.
0: <laughs> Perhaps by the end of the month, we'll have an episode ready for you. Or maybe longer (laughs) for those of you unfamiliar Movie Mumble is simply a monthly discussion podcast where the four of us take turns picking a movie watching it and then talking about it there are no rules we can pick any film at all old or new live action or animated foreign or domestic movie we've seen before or never seen at all uh, and that's about it. Yeah, we spoil everything we watch. So if you're worried about that, watch a film before listening to its episode. Uh, at the end of each episode, we announce we're watching next month so that you can watch along with us if you'd like. However, right now we're doing a little bit of a mini subset side project here. A What If series where we go back and asked, what if Zeke was with us when we watched Blank? Because as some of you may know, our earliest episodes only had three of us. Zeke wasn't on our cast yet. Uh, last month, Joel brought us Chopping Mall. I was going to say My
1: Son, but that's not true. <laughs> that's two months past. That was a regular old
0: new episode.
1: We What if Chopping Zeke mall. watched My Son again? <laughs> <You can't. laughs> no. We're in the bad place. Uh, so last month, <laughs> Joel brought us back to Chopping Mall, which was
0: phenomenal. This month I get to select our throwback movie and I chose Shin Godzilla. Um I'll do a very brief plot summary and then shut the hell up because I want to know what <laughs> Zeke thinks. That's why we're here. Hey, you hey, know? did
1: you re-listen to the last episode where I went through every scene? <laughs>
0: yeah, but the thing is, I do the Keep intro. I'm totally fine handing off to the movie selector the plot summary. I don't want to just stand here with the mic for, you know, the first twenty minutes. <laughs> As the name implies, Shin Godzilla is, of course, a Godzilla movie in which Godzilla emerges from the ocean and attacks Tokyo. Shin Godzilla is simultaneously reboot slash homage slash original work containing elements of the oldest Godzilla films, of the the middle work as that series wore on, fancy new CGI, and placing everything very much in a present-day setting. And the, the social settings, the politics, the nature of the era, and that's that's kind of the whole summary here. It's you know Godzilla Emerges from the Ocean. We follow a government official through Japan's government response, which is great because we get some of this bureaucratic nothingness, but we also get to see the mechanisms of government at work in a really sort of immediate and effective way, and it's it's great. It's kind of like an action movie about people sitting at a conference table, and I love it. <laughs> so, Zeke. What did you think?
3: Yeah, I loved it, too. And uh funnily enough, I loved it because it's an action movie based around, you know, conference table. Uh I actually did like that part. I thought that there were some really good war room scenes that built a lot of tension. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I don't know, I liked that political aspect of it and all the back and forth there. It didn't feel boring to me. It felt pretty action-packed, and I think it was the right mix of that and then plus seeing the monster and getting some cool um, you know, action sequences as well. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could tell you, like I've seen Godzilla movies. I don't know if I like, I haven't seen all of them. And I don't know if I could tell you which ones I have or haven't seen. Um, so I do have a lot of questions and things I'm excited to talk about as far as like, what's, um, you know, different, what's the same. I felt like the score felt very familiar to me and I don't know if I just heard that in different places or if it like, I don't know. So I'm excited to talk about the score. Um, I thought it was really cool to see how, uh, Godzilla evolved throughout the movie. And I, again, I couldn't remember if that's something, I don't think it's something that I like outright remember seeing in this way in other Godzilla movies. I mean, um, so yeah, I think it was funny. Cause when he first crawls out and he has the goofy eyes and like, um, yeah, he's like yeah. shimmying across still, on all fours. Joel's
1: still running his chair up there. Right. Long, <laughs> right. long fish, dogly-eyed Zilla. <laughs> yeah,
3: I was like, I was a little bit out. And another thing I want to talk about is the visuals, because I think, I mean, even from the start with like the opening credits, it felt a little more aged to me than 2016. It didn't feel like the sharpest. I mean, there were a lot of big CGI movies that came out in 2016, and this didn't feel like those. Um maybe in a bad way, but like not in a way that I didn't enjoy it. Um, it just didn't feel as like polished or as sharp or as effects heavy. Right. Um, so first seeing the monster is like, Oh boy, this is, you know, he looks goofy. I don't know how I feel about this, but then the longer I watched and the more he evolved, I kind of got more invested. I think, you know, the googly eyes kind of, uh, you know, they change and he grows into them. And, um, the sinewy skin was really cool to see. I really did like that part, even from the earlier forms of him, just to see the like the you know the strips of flesh and when he opens his mouth and how nasty that looks. I thought that added a layer um, to him too that I really liked, um, and I thought it felt um, you know a little more personal and. Also fast-paced. Um, one that I did, one Godzilla movie I did see was the Brian Cranston one. Joel and I went and saw that, and just I it underdelivered on the Brian Cranston. It promised me, um, <laughs> it, you know, it underdelivered on the Godzilla. It promised me. I know it was like a slow burn, but it was too slow of a burn. There wasn't enough action. I maybe nodded off in the theater.
1: We um, both did, and I definitely yeah. like. I was really excited for more, like the Halo jump from the trailer. And then they just, the trailer is basically the length of that sequence. So I was just like, oh, I thought we were going to get more. And so Zeke and I uh, walked out of that film in IMAX and then turned Mm -hmm. around and was like, can we go and see something that will make us feel better? We went and saw Neighbors, which was (laughs) fucking amazing. (laughs)
3: It was the palate cleanser we needed. It was exactly Uh. what we
1: needed. (laughs) Yeah. Rotating De Niro impressions. (laughs) (laughs) I love
3: that scene. I think for this one, um, like I said, you do get more action sliced in throughout. So that was nice, but I, it, it felt more personal in the sense that like the big destruction that you do see is very immediate in the impacts that it has on a lot of people. It's very heartfelt and emotional. Everyone's dealing with everything that happened. I think in a lot of action movies, especially where there's like a large scale monster attacking a city or, you know, any um Marvel or DC movie where there's a big villain from outer space or another world coming to attack earth and shit's getting destroyed. And it's like, cool. Another building that maybe had, you know, a hundred people in it. Who gives a shit? Like as the action's going on, you don't, stop to care about all of the destruction. And I think this one very purposefully makes you stop to care and think about it. And everyone in the, in the movie is reflecting about how to minimize that damage um, about the footprint pun intended that Godzilla is leaving on the city. Um, <laughs> and so I really like that part season. of it
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
3: Um, no, yeah, but overall I, I really liked it. And I'm excited to talk about all those different aspects with, uh, with each of you.
0: Great. Uh, I'm very glad. Yeah, I, this is not second impression for me, but like 15th. And I'd still love it. Um, I, but I especially, the more I watch it, the more I gain respect for its sense of balance. And like you said, Zeke, about on the one hand, oh, look at all these buildings get knocked over. Boom. And then we cut back to the bureaucrats and it's like, oh yeah, numbers on the screen. Look at these dead people. But then like, their conversation isn't about the numbers on a screen. It's about, okay, what are the other services doing right now? to help those people we just put those numbers on that screen right and then it cuts away to the people like evacuating through the tunnels like the ground shaking above them and and it does this really great job at bringing all of those images together in a way that just it doesn't feel so there's a bit in a movie that i'm gonna pick next memphis bell which is a, a world war ii bomber movie where the officer at the airfield shows concern about his airmen and it's great but then later, it cuts back to the crews in the planes, and they're like they're so disconnected from each other, right? That it helps the audience feel it, sure, but it absolutely does not connect these two people. And to be fair, the separation is part of the point, right? That's the goal. But Shin Godzilla does the complete opposite. You know, these guys are sitting in a government building in suits, and you don't feel like they're just sort of sitting up there in their fancy clothes while their people suffer. You feel like they're really working to, you know, maintain their society and and really help these people you know like similarly there's great when the uh they relocate the offices part way through the film everything kind of stops because the government can't function because government is people and until those people get to a new meeting place the government can't continue to operate but on the other hand of course it continues to operate they only get where they're going because of the government because of cars and convoys and emergency workers who get them from A to B because of the portions that don't need a head to operate. And it's such a great picture of that duality of modern systems. And the whole film has this sort of two or more parts that are constantly being woven together instead of despite their sort of the initial impression you get of them being opposite. I really love it. Joel, Tim, what about your second slash 200th impressions? (laughs) I actually
2: enjoyed it a lot more this time. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it the first time. I think it was just that, when Scott, when you had introduced it to me and showed me the trailer, it was like, you know, the, the you know, spoiler alert, it's my favorite scene from the film, you know. And then kind of watching the rest of it, I was expecting kind of like more of that and beyond that, which we, we get a little bit of that. But it was very much like, oh, like, I'm just building to the part I want to see. But this time, and... I didn't do this on purpose. I just went on Amazon and paid to rent it and it it was a dubbed version. <laughs> I didn't realize but it I at watched. the time. Yeah. And I think that that helps, you know. I mean, we've 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 all, you know, talked about how I'm a baby and I don't like reading subtitles when I'm watching a movie. So so seeing it dubbed really really helps because I just was able to kind of just go along with it. Like I wasn't working as hard to read the story as it's happening. And and I think that's part of it too is like, you know, other other stories I may not mind so much if the story I'm reading is is kind of like, um, I don't want to say engaging, because it's not that this isn't engaging, but it's, it's all government work stuff. So the fact that I'm reading, you know, what the government is doing, what steps are taking, like, I think that's what made it worse. It was the content that I had to read. So this time, it definitely flowed a lot better. You know, just be able, able to sit back and watch and listen. Um, It was funny, though. Joel, I don't know if you noticed this, like, but they overdubbed the people when they're speaking in English, even though they were yep. speaking in English. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, But, like, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely, I enjoyed the, the non-Godzilla scenes a lot more. Um, Especially, I think, just because, I think, oddly enough, you know, being locked in from the world for so long, like seeing these people go to all these different places and how like there are times in my life where I'm like, I wish I worked like not, not at an office, but I, where I had a place where there was an office where I could go and I had some of my own stuff. Like that was very, very much not the case at mail services, but like, so to see all these people kind of going to these these conference rooms with couches and tables and the scene where they they're pulling out all the the laptops and and headsets that they're putting down for everyone in that sort of makeshift conference room it's like oh that's so cool to like you know everyone's kind of going in these places you know these these think tanks, you know, that's, that's another thing I've always found very interesting when they talk about a think tank, it's like, I would love that to go in a room with a bunch of people who are all working to solve a problem together. And I, I definitely was more engaged with all of that this time because I, I wasn't reading, you know, and I was watching it, looking at all of those visual details. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that part of it was great. Um, yeah. I, for, I, for, I briefly forgot about the eyes, but it was like, oh yeah. And I kind of realized too, like, it wasn't the size of the eyes that bothered me. It was the fact that it didn't blink. Like it made it seem that much more kind of hokey, you know, that it's like if they were big and goofy like that, but you saw it blinking, it's like, Oh yeah, it's a living thing. It's blinking, but it made it look like a stuffed animal because it wasn't blinking. Not just because the eyes seemed to be outside of its body. Um, so that was kind of, kind of interesting, but it wasn't as much of a surprise this time. So it didn't pull me out of it as much. Um, yeah, and I, also, I, I it also occurred to me, you know, what you were saying, Zeke, about it seeming much more older than it was. I It made me wonder if that was, like, a conscious decision where it's like, let's make this movie look like it was made in the 90s. And when people see how good it looks, they'll be, like, surprised as opposed to something that was, you know, done by today's standards. Because um, that was a thing I kept noticing, too. And, and I don't know if it was because of that or because of the overall look of it. Lowered the bar for what I was expecting, you know, um, you know, visual effects wise, but like every time you see it, it's, it's perfectly integrated into, into the background. And, you know, even things where you're kind of like, Oh man, like this was a real background with like a CG Godzilla. You'd see the line where kind of the Godzilla meets the reality kind of thing or where we're layering this on top. And, and there were so many times where it looked so integrated and I had forgotten if it was like, because I know that that's one of the things we've discussed with the whole world of Godzilla is, you know, CGI versus person in a suit versus puppet, you know, that kind of whole thing. And, and I forgot what this use, I forgot if it was like real or if the whole thing was CGI and just looked that good, but it definitely had, you know, it looked real like whatever they were doing at whatever point. Um, And I, I, yeah, I wonder how much of that was, you know, again, because you're, your expectations were subconsciously lowered. Um, I also thought in terms of perspective, they did a much better job than other movies I've seen. And I wonder if that was helped by the fact that when he came in, he was a lot smaller. I say he, (laughs) but uh, you know, but, but like the part where, where, you know, yeah, it's like pushing itself down the street and you're seeing like the boats get pushed aside in the cars. I feel like a lot of times, one of the things that loses me with Godzilla, and I think we've talked about this before is that like, you're either looking at it from a human perspective and you just see this giant monster and it's like, that's too big to process. Or you're looking at it from such a distance where it looks like a normal size. And you're like, well, now the distance I've lost all sense for how big it is because it's so far away. It just looks like something that could be human sized. So with yeah, this, I feel start like
0: it's something comprehensible and scale up. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So the, yeah, exactly. So the fact that you're like, I know how big that is. It's as tall as a building pushing its way down. Oh, and then it grew. Okay. And then it grew again. So like, yeah, there's, you could follow the growth and change your perspective to adjust to how big it was. And it, it made it seem that much more massive. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that part of it. Um, yeah. And I almost wonder sometimes too, if that's like the thing where they try to like, push it too big. Like, Oh, I want this to be the biggest Godzilla there's ever been. And then it's like, well, now I don't care. You know, now I can't make the connection between the buildings and how big the buildings are inside of those, the, how big the people are inside of those buildings. That's one of the reasons I liked, um, Cloverfield so much. I feel like the size of that monster was perfect. It was big enough to be terrifying and do a bunch of damage, but not so big that you're like, well, it might, might as well be 10 times its size. Cause now it's just whatever, you know? Um, but but anyway yeah so so I definitely yeah I enjoyed it a lot more I enjoyed the scenes that I enjoyed last time again I enjoyed the scenes that the scenes that didn't really fire me up as much this time um,
0: more so that was good um, but yeah I will mention that Cloverfield also starts you in a building yeah you know from your perspective mm-hmm. so when you see other things happening to buildings and you're standing in one it provides a great you know comparison right, right? oh yeah yeah that's them this is me oh oh crumble. Oh, you know, you can just look down into the frame of the shot and immediately get an understanding of what was happening across the street or down the block. That works great. I will say, though, as far as English, I don't remember if I chose subtitles specifically at the time of our first watch or if that was just what was available. Hmm. But I find it really distracting to get that double English in the English lines or... Or sometimes. With like the labels
1: they, of the rooms and the task force. Like there's a lot of text between the two.
0: And then the spoken English, I find it, yeah, the double English really screws me up because the dub isn't always true to what the actual actor right. is saying. So now you've got two sentences that mean the same thing. But And then sometimes they don't even dub or subtitle the quote unquote English lines because they just assume they're already in English. It's fine. And it's sometimes fine but it really depends on whether the actor actually speaks english or not sometimes they do sometimes they speak it with an accent but sometimes kind of a lot they don't speak a single word of english and they're being coached through the pronunciation of a language they don't speak it's like phonetic but it's technically english so they don't subtitle it or uh, or anything to it you know in the in the english dub because like oh yeah that's already english we're done it's fine and often in the subtitle versions they will still subtitle it anyway because they're just subbing the whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that factored in to my decision or not. I watched this one subtitled, so I don't even remember what the deal was. But yeah, that's that's something I have definitely noticed before.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because I had that on my list too, because I I don't know. I think I typically... I don't know what I typically do. I feel like maybe I typically defer towards, for, for subtitles if it's, you know... Like, uh, Ghost of Tsushima playing through that gives you like five different options. And I was like, I'll roll with the subtitle one. Um, for whatever reason with, uh, watching this going in, I was like, not really in the headspace to read. Um, wasn't going to have that ability. So I went dubbed. So I was curious to hear from you all, um, like what those differences are. So I am, that is interesting to hear that there are some interesting choices with subbing and dubbing in this one. And I don't know. I'd be curious to watch it again. In subtitles, I did feel at times some the, the dubbing felt a little goofy and a little over the top, and the you know the voice acting was I don't know maybe it didn't always quite fit the tone of a scene just because of the pitch or I don't know maybe I was reading too much into it, but I didn't I didn't know if it would feel more serious subbed rather than dubbed.
1: But, yeah, yeah, it's 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 such a great franchise for. Uh, an odd history of dubbing and subbing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, yeah, I've, I think I've watched it five or six times and I think it's been equal subbed versus dubbed. Um, I mean, we can, you can be elitist about it. You can be accurate about it. Like the, the biggest thing about the franchise is when you watch the, the Japanese original, it has a different ending than what was released in America that there there are ones where it's like really important to get kind of the, the source material in that sense i mean that's ishiro honda that's that's a a hugely influential first point and like i think that's where a lot of the snobbery comes from is like which the truest version of it or whatever but like there's been problems with i mean even now closed captioning is never accurate and it, it's really frustrating and like it's an accessibility issue now. Like we're more aware than ever. It, it, it's 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 an odd thing. But um the last time I saw this movie, I saw it at Alamo and they it, they were doing a Godzilla month. And it was funny because they rolled the the standard package and uh, Terror of Mecha Godzilla started instead of Shin Godzilla. <laughs> and I I love that film. I, I actually went back to alamo to see that one <laughs> later i think and uh it's just funny like they they rolled it's exactly the same package but like it and they they did uh dubbed in the theater which i mean i i try to alamo is is a good steward of those kinds of things and it's it's a fun like part of the the patchwork of the 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 uh, franchise the the idea of how they adapted things and slapped things on and how they were distributed and that kind of thing and and the the model work like it's it's all cut it's it's funny how what's taped together about a lot of those old films and stuff um this this movie is spectacular i it, it remains my favorite um and I think the cleverest thing about it is that it didn't make it Godzilla versus one scientist or or an already established like Kaiju Response Team they they made it Godzilla versus Japan and it's the first time they really did that where it was Godzilla versus a government and then showed you every part of the circulatory system of that government and it it's it's one of the things that like as much as I love Godzilla 98 it's not it's not a good movie it's not a good <laughs> Godzilla movie but it 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 hurts my heart now to think Oh, what if they had done Godzilla versus New York? You know, like that. It's not the mayor in that, and the the uh, uh, Matthew Broderick. Like, there's no. It's a bunch of goofballs. In the the whole thing about the mayoral presence is that it's it's uh, that director poking fun at um, uh, Siskel and Ebert. Like that. That's just to make that joke. Those those characters. So it's like. But if you had really made, if you had brought that like Spider-Man to like New York, Scotch or or amazing Spider-Man, all all the Spider-Men have that like New York moment. Like if they had put that spirit of New York versus Godzilla as a film in this way that they did with Japan, it would have been so cool and such an interesting dynamic. So it, it, I just had been thinking about that this time is that it's really Godzilla versus a government for the first time. And it's, it's not disconnected because it's, it's not some random soldier. I think that's m- one of my main problems with 2014 Godzilla. And, and kind of how they, modern Godzillas seem to really, really care about the people. But they're always like half characters. They've never really developed. We don't really care about them enough. And, and they're always inexplicably saved from, from the they're right at the toe and they don't get smushed. So there's a big disconnect, a big leap. I mean, we're talking about guys in leather suits for a lot of this. So, like, suspension of disbelief is part of this game. But it, it's – don't drive the cab into the Godzilla's mouth. Why'd you – like, there, there's – I'll reference that. This is my – I'm using this as an excuse to talk about my other favorite Godzilla film. But, like, it it's – this does such a great job of making the human element of it actually human. It's not parodying. It's not, hey, we need humans down here because we can't just have big rubbery guys knocking into each other. Like it, it's actually grounded in a really interesting way that, that to to use the place as character, but like a, as an active character. And it is just really interesting and it establishes that scale too. Cause that's, that's how you have to meet this challenge. It's not one person or a five weird alien secret agents with ape masks. You know, like it, that, that's the, the, the old school, old school kind of weird human element of them. And it, it just, it's so grounded in that way. And it's, it's weird. Cause like with, with goggly eyed Zilla and I give that more and more slack every time I watch it, because it's like, I love that it's a lung fish. I love the idea of it being gelatinous. It doesn't have eyelids because it was in the water. It had no need for them. Like it, it's gross. I, Godzilla's never been this gross before. It's really cool. Like the way it just kind of shags off this radioactive blood through its gills. Like it, and, and, it. I don't think I really realized the idea of the scale changing, and you kind of uh, going along with the scale increasing that you you were talking about, Tim and, and Zeke. That that was really cool, and I love that. As there's not really a metamorphosis of Godzilla other than like um, if he died and came back or regenerative in in the old films, um, but Ibra. Well, no, Ibra was a. a, a giant octopus um hedora uh, the smog monster has the uh three evolutionary forms and it's one of my favorites so i i liked that kind of little reference that, i don't know if it was direct but like that's the only real evolution that we see of a kaiju in the franchise before so i i like that nod and i i like he's just gross he's gross and he, he, he's hardened and it, it's it remains the most devastating atomic breath scene I've ever seen. And as iffy as some of the CGI stuff is, and like, I, I like the, a lot of the techniques. I think the image I sent you guys where you see Godzilla um, in the background and in the foreground, there's like clearly miniaturized trees that that's a shot from the original. That's like the first glimpse you get of him over the ridge. And then like the first kind of stomping into a clearly a model set Um like I I'm seeing like they're, they're framing things in a certain way to kind of evoke those scenes. I I think, um, but like when you get to the lava, uh, the atomic breath, it's like every choice has to have been deliberate or, or if it was money saving, so this could look so good. And it's, it's, it's devastating and, and it's billowy and it's smoke and it's, it's strange and, and, really terrifying the amount of flame and smoke that goes through that and i was really struck this time about in the aftermath when he's just still i don't know that i realized that the blackened like carcasses of those giant buildings that are shorn off at an angle that's that's how i don't know that i processed that i was just so like caught up in Godzilla and focused on Godzilla. But the carnage of the aftermath of that was just in the quietness, like this does such, it has a great score, but it also really uses silence really effectively in it as much as the bureaucratic noise and stuff. Like when there is a true silence, it's really impactful. Um, Yeah. It's, it holds up, man. Like I, I, I'll defend. And it's, I, I get kind of leery about showing it to new people or like, I, I worry about rewashing it. Cause I worry, is it too bureaucratic? Is it too much in the conference? Is it boring? And then I want, it's just, it's so snappy. The pacing is really effective and it's a character. The way that government works is a character and it's, it's really compelling and not boring at all. It, it, it's, it holds up with, any of them, like there's a lot of old Godzilla that is way more unwatchable. You know, like this is this is an incredible film, man. It's sort of an inverse Doctor Strange Love in some
0: ways, because you know, in Doctor Strange Love, you have these this the War Room full of these absolute clowns. You know, <laughs> just I mean, clowns is the word, right? <laughs> it's, I it's, mean... just, it's just <laughs> we'll have a mind shaft gap i mean the whole thing just gets more and more you know ludicrous as it goes on but this is you know those same those same systems and mechanisms and people right that were being parodied in strange but taken with seriousness and earnestness and you know presented in terms of a like yes there are problems and some of them are structural and some of them are just people being people but like on the other hand the idea is good right the, there's a goal and we're working and I don't really know the phrase I want, but it made me way less interested in the government response in so many other movies because it's such a like a cardboard standy, you know? Yeah. Like great. That's a great metaphor the government, for government, you know? Quote unquote, capital T, capital G. Damn the government! It is here to make the situation seem serious. Mm-hmm. Everyone gasps. Everyone dies. Good character off. Let's go. Move on. Right? Like, but here. Yeah. Again, in terms of it being a government is its people, but also is its plans, like, it's it really, it's just, it's made up of people, and then those people come together and do things, and then we call it government. It's, I don't know, I don't have the words I need tonight, but, yeah, I like
1: what you said, about the government well, its own that, character. That's, that's the other thing, is, like, when you watch... <laughs> American action films with this kind of premise with like a governmental response, it's all like, just go, go, go do the thing, do the thing, press the button, blow blow them up. Right. There's no, there's no bureaucracy. It's very like instant gratification. And it was, it's just so refreshing to have, it's, it's so nuanced too, because the organism of the government has these, these kind of the the ragtag in this, right. Have an informal way of, of operating and that's the kind of innovate there's like a western i I don't know if that's a western idea but just like this idea of a rebellious youth under this bureaucracy that fails when it comes against the really big uh, scary threat. you know and so like it's having that conversation it's not wrong for the old the older generation aren't wrong for what they're doing and the newer generation aren't completely right like it, it takes both of them in pieces of it and it just like it it's very respectful in and of itself, too, which is really interesting. It...
0: Right. The older generation's plans and processes allowed this response, this automation, allowed the evacuations, the relocation of the government, all the stuff that happens when there is no government because everybody's moving from A to B. All of that happens. The The gradual military response, the diplomatic channels, it's in place because of tradition and consistency and like it's what everybody does it's it's the 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 foundation the old structure and like you said it doesn't fail it i mean it dies right like suddenly boom half the government is (laughs) gone and somebody has to step up and you know what better time than now to step up
1: with creativity and again modern dentistry is what slays the (laughs) dragon. they pipe (laughs) novocaine into it as
0: much experience with the godzilla franchise but it feels to me like the godzilla looks like a rubber suit half the time (laughs) you know oh yeah and it like you said it feels on purpose i don't think it was budget saving i think it was a
1: method of honoring right of hardening back yeah there seem like to be it. a lot of like o- y kind of shots, but like mm-hmm. it... in much the same way that you
0: can't parody something without loving it and knowing it. You know, you they set out to make this knowing and loving Godzilla, but instead of setting out for parody, they set out for
1: the newest version of seriousness, and it just works really well and i mean the, the old the, to- yeah. the toho films have a lot of like groundbreaking suit work and, and oh yeah choreography and those kinds of things and and that's the thing like it's it's the balance of like some things really were good and i, I don't know it, it it does seem more dated than a 2016 movie but it does seem like the first movie that toho studios put out since what the, the 80s or whatever like it, it, it just it seems like very much in that tradition but like it if you haven't seen that, like, you're not going to, you don't recognize it. It, it But yeah, it, it from like the Toho logo is old school, right? Like when it pops up, it, it really sets a tone. And I like it, it is in that spirit, I guess it, I would say from having seen those, but.
0: It reminds um, me of a lot of, I guess, horror,
1: right? You know, people talk about like
0: the thing and the practical effects or alien or jaws or et cetera. Right. And how so much today is digital. And people love to talk about when the digital doesn't work. And they go, oh, it's just so dumb. Why didn't you just reuse the practical effects from the original? But you know, then they don't talk about when it does work. Something like, like the Babadook, right? Which was a fairly popular movie. As far as I know, there's nothing practical in that, right? Um, and instead, they look at paranormal activity, which was done on a budget of 93 cents they found in a mattress. So it's all practical. <laughs> and, and like, I agree, it works, but on the other hand, it feels like those people never go back and re-watch any other practical effect movie, right? They watch the like three or four good ones they can name off the top of their heads, and then nothing else. It's like, yeah, well, the the bulk of this stuff was the same as the bulk of our CGI, right? It was serviceable, and that's about it. <laughs> There's not much else to say, right? The really good stuff was really good, in the same way that Jurassic Park or The Lord of the Rings is really good, but it wasn't normal right it wasn't everywhere and it's great to see this go back and look at that stuff which was groundbreaking then became normal then became you know a joke so parody and yeah. super cgi and to look at it with respect but also without you know roasted glasses right you know what yeah this is gonna look goofy but you know what that's okay we're gonna do this anyway it's gonna work it's really nice it's
1: refreshing so Zeke, you had said you had some some questions. I I I tend to dominate all these conversations. So I want somebody else to have the talking points.
3: <laughs> sure. Um trying to decide which one to start with. Um I think maybe let's roll with the score. Um because like I said, a lot of it did feel very familiar. And so I mean, were there songs that were in other Godzilla movies or or you know, pieces that were in other Godzilla movies, or uh, did I just have I heard pieces from this used in other pop culture? Um,
1: Are you thinking the uh, "Get the Fuck Up" that song, that rap song? Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it's yeah, definitely pretty much. Yeah. So um, the the Godzilla theme, the dun 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 dun. That's from mm-hmm. the original. And one of my favorite things about us doing this is that we get to bless our audience with uh, Tim's version of the movie Mumble theme that is inspired by this score, and it's incredible. It's what I listened to it. I listened to that episode again today, and I was just like, "Oh, it's one of my favorite." We we were really spoiled those first few episodes, like a <laughs> lot of episodes, because Tim put up some crazy cool versions of the theme song. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, z that that's a big reference and that that's been it, it it's come back in a lot of the the uh, sequels is is that main theme. And th- this is more operatic um because there's those voices which you'll hear in the theme song. It's really freaking cool what Tim did because it sounds like there's a chorus uh singing movie mumble. <laughs> it's really cool. Um and no real choir members were hurt in the re- recording of this song <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so th- yeah that that's just super referenced uh theme
3: okay yeah that makes sense the and then the that's the one with the bump 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 that one yeah. right okay yeah. yeah feel like yeah like you said rap songs i know Chappelle's show used it in the sketch where he's fighting Godzilla. (laughs) So
1: so I feel like that's one.
3: (laughs) Yep. That's one that's been around. So um, yeah, I I mean, I thought the score was really, I I liked it a lot in this one. Um, You know, and I I don't think it was anything novel, right? But like you could definitely tell when, you know, it was pivoting to some Godzilla screen time and kind of the cues that you got there from the score um, for different. Different moments and different Godzilla actions and activities. I I liked it. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good score. And Tim, did you have any other score thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I, I liked, Um, there, there were parts of the score too that for me sounded a little dated. I wonder if that was part of it too. Specifically, like when there's that little like timpani motive that comes back that definitely sounded like it was like sampled or synthesized timpani. Like it didn't sound like it was from the same world as, okay, we have this orchestra playing. Um, and they would use that, I think a lot of times for, for the humans, which, which I thought was kind of neat because it, it scaled it down a lot more, a lot smaller, a lot closer. Like it seemed like there was like, yeah, much less reverb. So you're kind of closed in as opposed to, you know, whenever you have the full orchestra, you're definitely feeling, you know, the, the, the way you would, if you're, you know, watching a full orchestra on a stage. Um, and then I thought it was funny that they, they kind of would take that, that timpani idea and kind of add like some other stuff around it some more um you know like like there was like drum set at one point with the timpani and i was like oh this definitely removes it from this traditional giant orchestra realm and then i remember one time when they they talked about like oh we've got a i think that's when they're first talking about we want to make the um the thing to freeze its blood oh we've got a contract like these companies outside of the government and then like the electric guitar comes in so it's like oh we're bringing in regular people now so we're going to (laughs) play the regular people electric guitar so i thought that was kind of neat but it definitely sounded like a sampled guitar like not an actual person playing a guitar so like that kind of added to it too which like i feel like that's That's been a lot of, you know, uh, you know, some of what, you know, we just finished studying when like, when, when synths and samples first started being used, people were using them. So like, oh, this is great. We could have access to all these instruments without having to use real people. But then it's like, oh, but they don't sound like the real people. So, so again, like I I think that made it feel like it was so much older than it actually was, which, which probably was on purpose for that same reason. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was really, neat. I liked that, that, yeah, that the timpani was this sort of crossover instrument where it was like, you know, when you think about all the, the percussion instruments, you know, the timpani is one of the bigger ones. I feel like, yeah, that's perfect for Godzilla. It's this, this kind of gargantuan set of drums, but then how it was actually like the, the pivotal instrument to bring it into, oh, we're going to have a drum set and guitars. And that's, you know, because we're talking about the people now, not Godzilla. Um, so that was one of the things I really, I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, it kind of reminded me of, yeah, that, that, you know, as, as a thing to go forward, to be inspired by like, yeah, like using an orchestral instrument kind of mixed in with, you know, rock band instruments, you know, like we don't normally hear that pairing of timpani and drum set, you know, or if we do, it's in something like Mr. Holland's opus, you know, where we're trying to awkwardly cram, you know, pop instruments into an orchestra and they don't work so well sometimes, you know, um, but but yeah, it was it was really cool. It was really a really cool way to, to delineate very very quickly and easily like which which group we're dealing with. You know,
0: I'm so glad you brought that song up too <laughs> because it's straight out of Evangelion.
1: Is it's it like, really? <laughs> it's like
0: the only real direct reference, and the Evangelion version has no electric guitar. Actually, it's tip drum set and legitimate orchestra, and it feels a whole lot like. The James Bond music from the boat chase. Um, I can't remember if it's Roger Moore it's or some... Connery because they both do boat chases.
1: But <laughs> is it I the boat the chase to end all bo- boat chases? Is it Live and Let Die in the it Bayou? Because there, there's that, and then there's all the other ones.
0: <laughs> it might actually be from Russia with Love.
1: Oh, but is that like regardless, Magno? I can't remember.
0: Um, regardless, like the Evangelion music,
1: which is of course from the
0: nineties feels like it harkens back even further on purpose or not i don't know but then this was okay let's take that which is him referencing his own work but specifically the portion of his own work which most directly references godzilla (laughs) 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 and let's toss the music in. but he doesn't you know he doesn't drown it in his own work he just does the one song he punches it up he adds some new instruments and he parks it into the end right and it's the question is was this what he wanted to make all along Maybe, right? <laughs> or just, I, I don't know, right? Because otherwise, there, I feel like it would have been so easy to just make your own movie and sort of ignore everything else about Godzilla and the history of the franchise and the culture. And he doesn't do that. He just does this one little thing right here, and this little, little one decoration on the tree, and that's it. He lets it go. But because it's got that guitar that starts it, it's like, simultaneously newer than Evangelion and then also super nineties at the same time. (laughs) It just, it fits in so well with the theme of the film seeming older than it is.
1: See, I, now I'm wanting to, uh, if Chris Nolan ever gets to make a bond film, this is the kind of flourish that he'll add to be like, yeah, I've been ripping this off my whole career and, and I love it and I get to do it now. (laughs) It's crazy that I was listening to the previous episode. I hadn't seen Evangelion when we saw this originally, but I have now. So it was it was an interesting <laughs> remembrance of the before four time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one other thing I thought of too
2: um, is that, like, I remember watching the newer Godzilla films, and just like how what a weird sort of miss, mishmash the music and sound effects were, you know, because mm. so much of, you know, like, like the, you know, the, the Brian Cranston one where so much of it is like, yeah, like this is this modern thing and like everything has to be so loud, you know, in the theaters and yeah. what, you know, what a monster like sound effects have become. And, but then again, also there's this, yeah. Now that there's this sense of like, you know, that this, I don't, I don't think Hans Zimmer did the music for that, but he definitely, created this mentality of we need giant orchestras and giant brass sections and low brass sections and i just remember like there were times where like the music was getting so big and loud and you could kind of tell that it was it was trying to be big but the 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 volume also had to be pulled down to fit under the sound effects or you just weren't hearing the music because the sound effects were that loud so it was really weird. Like you, you know, it's like either you have to have the music be big and let the music make the statement, or if the, the sound effects are going to be making all this noise, then do something different with the music. You know, and it mm-hmm. feel like this did a much better job of that. We're having that kind of traditional theme coming in. You know, the that you you kind of got the the weight of the Godzilla theme because of, you know, it, it being this theme and kind of, and, and more through the use of like the, the tempo, like, I love the way the, you know, dun, 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 you know, like to me, that, that rhythmic motor that's kind of off kilter and slow, like that gives the Godzilla, the sense of size, um, and, you know, even though it's through the strings, which are the biggest inch, you know, the biggest section in the orchestra, but, but they're not the loudest, you know, and it seems that like, yeah, nowadays the sense is like, oh, we got to go for brass. We got to have more brass. We have to have 60 trombones to do this Godzilla theme. But if it's too loud, we're going to bring the volume down. So it can be under all the, you know, him screaming and the and the fire and all this stuff. Whereas like with this, yeah, like you, you, the, the music is written in such a way that it gives you this sense of size and it doesn't have to be that loud and i thought that was that was really interesting it was kind of a almost like a masterclass of sorts of like yeah if you're scoring a giant monster don't just create a bigger orchestra cuz yeah eventually you're going to hit a ceiling of how loud something can be whether it's competing with other sounds or just you know damaging people's hearing you know so you'll you'll never have an orchestra that's actually as big as godzilla so like don't try like find other ways of you know, uh, of giving that sense of size. And, um, and I feel like, yeah, it, 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 like nailed it on that sense, you know? Um, cause yeah, it, it is weird. And that's one of the things we kind of like learn about too, is that we're used to the way certain instruments sound and the way they produce sound and the sort of the, you know, like, for example, you know, if you have a trumpet that's, that's playing like well above the staff, And then you turn the volume down. So it's like super, super soft. It's like, it seems unnatural to us because it's like, well, most of us have this sense that Trump, you know, trumpets can't play that high, that soft. So it's like you had to affect it somehow. So the same thing kind of happens here when you're hearing this orchestra and you're getting the sense that they're playing loud, but you're also not hearing them that loud. Like as if you were, you know, if there were 60 trumpets just, you know, and trombones blasting you in the face, that to me might say Godzilla. But the fact that it's not live, it's not real, and it's it's being turned down, like it it undercuts itself and it makes it kind of less effective, I think. So so yeah, so that was an, another thing I really enjoyed, just the the simplicity of the original Godzilla thing, you know. And you get you get the brass, but we also get it when Godzilla is at a distance. So it's like this more ominous thing that's happening, this thing that's coming, you know. And and you you know the the low brass does give that sense of bigness to it but it's also big from a distance as opposed to like okay godzilla's right on top of you how do we score that you know and it's like yeah i feel like yeah like score maybe the terror you're feeling and then let this the the sound effects take care of the noise that you're hearing you know so i feel like this this one did a better job of that i think than than the newer ones where yeah where the, it seems like the orchestra's competing with the sound effects
1: it's kind of cool too, with like the trumpets from in a distance. It's almost like it's heraldry. I, I've been talking about that a lot for some reason in this podcast. But just like it's it's like a kingly thing. It's like here comes the and uh, it, it's interesting that the the distance of the I don't know. Like it seems sounds like there's fewer trumpets and stuff when that theme is happening and that he's kind of lumbering across. It seems like kind of like a. a I don't know, like a, a tr- uh, royal train or something mm-hmm. like being heralded. I don't know, just just a cool, cool little a- extra layer to that that original theme, which uh, it holds yeah. up. I think it, it. There's a lot of like certain spooky or, or or intimidating themes don't age very well. I think like the uh, eyes without a face, the like creepy carnival music mm-hmm. is a little a little more twee to to modern ears, but I think Godzilla's holds up. I mean, it's also so uh, ubiquitous. I'm going
3: to use that as a springboard into another question and just kind of, so how this fits into, you know, all of Godzilla and the history of Godzilla. Um, I guess a dumb question, but like, is this, so it's a reboot, right? Or a re, yeah. So is it, Archer? Yeah, it's it's another
0: standalone. Right. Okay.
3: So none of this or I don't know. How how is it canon? Like how does this it fit in like the So in there's three
1: console? reboots. Um they don't share canon. Okay. Um so the the Toho, like the first series kind of goes mm-hmm. through the first film, Godzilla's a villain and then he's defender of the earth and then kind of silly kid icon and then it kind of dies out. Um, and then there in the '80s they came back with a, a Godzilla one that was retold the the um, destruction of Tokyo, um, and it was much v- more vicious and and more they redesigned him and he was more snarling than kind of the the defender of the Earth good uh, Godzilla, and then that one kind of tailored off with I think Godzilla two thousand, and then the uh, there's a few I think all Out, all at war or some. I can't remember all. Of, there's there's a lot. There's 25 films, I think. I own 22 of them. <laughs> Still no. I haven't watched any more. I don't think since the last time, which is why. Well, no, I, I probably have. But um, yeah, so th- this is separate continuity from the 80s reboot um, and the original. Uh, so usually when they're sharing canon, they, the the uh, Japanese Self Defense Force becomes kaijuified. And so that kind of government moves into the next uh, film, and that's kind of the how they show canon is kind of that organization uh, forms, which I think, like, with uh, the elections and how Japan responds after this film is very much, like, where where that could go. Um,
3: right. I was going to say, I feel like they set that up a little bit at the end, right? And kind of, you know, the next steps for if for when he resurfaces, what the game plan is there and all of that um that's interesting yeah and then so it looks
1: like there's a shin ultraman which uh-oh. is coming out at the end of october and it's kind of been in in development for a, a long time and kind of got delayed release i, I guess, don't think they're gonna
0: directly relate though are they
1: i think they have the same central cast i think it's the same government
0: mm. interesting because i, I knew think was, uh, the same idea of that's placed this character in a present day setting with a serious treatment, but I, yeah, I don't know
1: if they're going to, there seems to be directly. some Godzilla footage too. I think hmm. in, like the little things I I'm not like, I've just recently looked at it. So um, yeah. So I don't know if it's going to share continuity with the new, those new films or if there's going to be a sequel, which I really hope there would be because <laughs> like it, it's rife for it. Cause you've got those right. mutant things coming out of his tail And the idea of him being all, all adaptable Mm -hmm. can grow wings. Like that's Ghidorah there. They teased a lot of different things in like where he could go, you know?
3: Yeah. And then, so to that point um, and to, to the, what I liked earlier about getting to see Godzilla evolve in this one. um, Is that a first, are there any other ones where you kind of see such a wide or such a broad evolution within one single movie? Like I know, changes and grows, and there's different versions of him throughout his history, but from where he starts in this movie to where he ends up, I feel like that was a pretty big and pretty sudden jump.
1: Yeah, I think the closest... um, They did three anime films Um, on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and there's one where uh, (laughs) they leave the planet, and Mm -hmm. uh, they're in space for a while, and they come back, and what, what Godzilla has become is pretty gnarly <laughs> i think it's through all three of those films they kind of explore that they okay, all kind of trio. share continuity um but yeah i don't like godzilla doesn't really usually he's fully for you kind of see like the nuclear bomb footage or like he's an iguana right. in the 98 one like that's kind hmm. of the closest like um yeah he doesn't really de- like there there's at one point, two Godzillas, because one's Godzilla with Godzilla stuff, and it gets it peeled off of him, and you can see that the exoskeleton is metal and stuff. But, like, yeah, Godzilla doesn't really... He has a, a son at one point. Um, just kind of looks... He kind of looks like Kermit and Grover <laughs> morphed into this little rubbery dude. Um, yeah, Godzilla doesn't really mutate kind of past that first... Mutation, right? Like it mm-hmm. in the other films. Not yeah. gotcha. Like I said, e, uh, uh, Hedorah has a mutation, but he he's a smog monster, so he's he's kind of air pollution, and so it, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Should we do favorite scenes? <laughs> <laughs> what are we? Eighteen hours into this. This is not my favorite scene. I already said that earlier. Yeah. Of, it's hard to beat, man. It's so yeah. it's larger than life. Zeke, what did you think of that? The the destruction of Tokyo.
3: I mean, yeah, I think that I had that on my list as as a favorite for sure. Um, that was pretty impressive, and that's is uh, that's the one right with the the rays and the taking down the prime ministers. Oh, yeah, friend. and all yeah. Yeah, every, yeah 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 that was great. <laughs> it's really the peak
0: of scale because just within that one action. They mm-hmm. scale the image up like five times. And, you know, earlier scale takes way longer, right? First it's small, but it's small for a while, then it's a little bigger for a while. and it, You know, they, they really dwell on the scale, like you said, Tim, really well. But by the time the atomic breath happens, we start with Godzilla's head. Then we get the head of the space in front of it. Then we get more space in front of it. Then we get the fucking sky, right? <laughs> and by the time we get to the last shot, it's more space in front of it than we've ever seen and an equal amount of space behind it, and the sky, and put all put together. engulfed in flame. Utterly ruined, <laughs> yeah. It's they're like, oh, like this scaling planes up. Watch us scale up the same amount in 30 seconds. Boom, done. And it just
1: hits you like a truck. <laughs> One they, of the best flourishes about that is the the way the jaw... At mm-hmm. the bottom opens up like a mandible. It just yeah. again, this is Godzilla. It's like the grossest version of him, it, and it's just so grotesque. I'll
0: pick it up a different scene, and it's I guess scene, but like the whole JSDF, the Self Defense Force, right? They have that like tent with the command post, and every time they cut back to the officers sitting there, absolutely stoically, like even as their entire tent shakes around them, either from Godzilla or from their own attacks. You know, there's this. Rigid determination, and it's sort of everything about the film's government commentary distilled into a single image right that in this case, there aren't too many decisions to make. there is only now to be committed to your course of action, and they just they are right it's this absolute stoicism, and even though we see the sometimes chaotic mess behind the scenes that creates a course of action, you know once it's happening it's happening and it it's a great illustration for the reason their plan ultimately works in the end, right? And also just for all the other little pieces of government that don't need an active decision-making head that are just have, have been placed into motion. the motion. Evacuations, the helicopters, the new headquarters, even at the start, we mentioned, Tim, like the headsets and stuff that they're saying out. You know, so much of what was either previously decided on or already decided on, it doesn't matter if it's new or old or whether it comes from the old bureaucracy or the new. Once it's the thing we're doing, it's the thing we're doing. And there's no, none of the second guessing or wishy-washy, whatever, or, you know, dealing with doubters, right? It's just what's happening. And I really love that visual of the, because then once the tent collapses, right, is their attacks don't work, that's the only moment you see emotion on their faces in the as they, you know, put their hands up and protect themselves. And, but then they, they dig out. And they just, they walk, and off they go. They do on to the next thing, right? <laughs> it literally came down around their ears, just like the city is coming down. But they stand up and they move on. What's next? It's a great, right in the middle of the movie, a great microcosm for the entire mentality of all of our characters and all of our non-human characters, right? Governments and systems alike. So yeah, I like it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too. It just occurred to me, like, and I I feel like this has come up a few times when discussing this, but it really, it finally clicked that, like, I feel like in most American movies you see like this, yeah, there are always people who are like, no, that's the wrong course of action. I'm going to go rogue and do my own thing. Or or you have the overzealous military leader who's like, I just want to bomb the fuck out of it. How can I trick this into happening and make this happen? Whereas with this, it's like, no, it's like, it's working the way it's supposed to, where everybody's working together against the actual villain, not everyone having their own idea of how to stop the villain and, I'm going to go do my thing and fight against this other person so that I can do the thing I want to do. And yeah, it was, it's very, it's very refreshing, you know, to see that happening where it's like, yeah, like, look, everyone's working
0: together. And it doesn't mean it's- there isn't disagreement or doubt, mm-hmm. but there's a time and a place for it. Right? right. And it happens. I mean, there's a lot of disagreement ultimately between America and Japan. Right, there's disagreement within Japanese government. There's doubt about whether what they're doing is going to be effective or if they're wasting time when they could be doing something. But and all that's there, right? But it's not. It doesn't just sort of ruin everything. You enormous dick who thinks you're the main character of your own movie, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's appropriate.
1: Yeah, it's re- definitely refreshing not to have somebody sabotaging it for just villain number three <laughs> reasons. You know, like it it just it's big fucking problem we just gotta fix the problem guys let's work together to fix this freaking huge problem (laughs) like I I like that about it no
2: I was gonna say don't they comment at one point too like I feel like where they're like wow isn't this great everyone working together and well you know I think they actually like come out and say that too and it's just like yeah you're right like normally it'd be like each person being like I think my way to do this and I want to be the one to come up with the way that actually works instead of like yeah no we have to work together this is like you know this is what the this is what the point is like listen to this you know and that that it's it's shitty that it only takes a threat that threatens everybody for people to finally come together otherwise you know we're we're each other's villains you know and and you know we'll you know we don't work together unless there's a global threat we're trying to fight and even then
3: we don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> See and that one's gr- that seems so great because it's earnestly delivered like, in a worse film, it would be really cheesy. Like, hey, look at us, yeah. we're doing the thing. Like, it, it it's actually, I don't know, really genuine and feels really earnest in that moment. And it's what they all need, you know, that that I think we need to see it, too, because it just seems so hopeless. I mean, that the utter indestructible nature of Godzilla in this film is so crazy. Like, to just see the missiles pink off of the exoskeleton, just, it... it it looked like miniature work, but it was also like the implications of that was just like we've seen. Like I've seen Godzilla take a lot of punishment. This is the first time I was like seriously. Like whatever you throw at it, it's it's over. That that carapace that the, the the coating he's he's just he's made he's built different. <laughs> you know Godzilla dummy thick. Nothing's penetrating that. And again, it, it's, it's the scale, right? Because yeah,
0: when you fire up some. Sci fi weapon and huck, you know, uranium chunks at it. Like it just, oh yeah, we're shooting it with things and they're not working. That's the end of the visual communication, you know. But here, they start small, right? Tanks, helicopters, things that you could, you know, stand next to, at least in a museum, if not elsewhere, and see the size and shape of the people operating them and be like, oh yeah, let's move up. All right. Planes, bigger planes, bigger things, missiles, you know, by the time you get to those enormous, Weird ass bombs that you know Japan turns and asks America. Hey, um, we ran out of escalation. Can you keep escalating? And America's like, we've been waiting for you to ask, but we're we are, wait.
1: they're already in the air. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like,
0: but but it's we didn't happen. Wait, Thank you real. for asking, right? And and the bombs come out and they're that weird ass shape that the I can't remember the designation anymore. Six year old me is disappointed, but you know, and they just plunk, boom, and the whole cloud obscures half of Godzilla, but nothing happened. It. Again, like and then with he the throws itself. a bridge at them, right? <laughs> it just it feels weighty and, and up to scale, and you really understand the implications. It's great. It's also kind of nice not to have America painted so villain- villainously. Um, not that we haven't necessarily earned it—you know—become the low-hanging fruit of, of foreign film. But, but you know, again, right, like Japan and America have this close military alliance, and Japan escalates as far as they can. And then they can't, so they turn to America and say, hey, you've got a bigger army than us. Please help, you know, we do. And like you said, like, yes, they were already in the air, but also we waited for you to ask. You're welcome, <laughs> right? And, and of course, that doesn't work. And the disconnect comes when America keeps asking right to, to nuclear weapons and all of the baggage that carries. And that's when it's like, okay, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> like, Like, on the one hand, we asked you for this. On the other hand, please stop. And it's not just, you know, It's, it's. I mean, like you both said, Tim, Joel, about an American movie, that would have been some lunatic general who, like, would have just started yelling the word nuke the moment he came on the screen, and instead here it feels like the natural progression of one of the many machines of government that we're seeing operate as they start to go in different directions.
1: It's great. It seemed like a quieter commentary on, on like because america gonna america like that that's what the film is and <laughs> it's i i think you for for japan in this film it america america's and helps for a, oh, a while until they go too far which is how it works in the reality it's i i i did like that um i also like time,
2: the comment when uh when someone says like oh if it you know i forget how she kind of you know frames it but like you know the the general i forget who it was from america said we would do the same if it was in New York, you know, which what I love about that is it works both ways, whether you, you can choose to believe that and you can choose not to. And either one, I feel like is both terrifying, you know, like, right. is yeah. that, you know, is that just something I'm saying? So you'll let us bomb Japan again, or yeah, I would blow up fucking New York. Yeah, sure. You know, we, we gotta, we gotta kill it, you know? And it's like, you know, the, there's also the surgical nature of it where it's just like, yes, we have to cut out the bad thing, even if it means killing the the thing around it, you know, like, so, so, yeah, I just thought that was like really really great and and uh, a, a way to be terrifying but still open ending yeah like there isn't necessarily painting as a villain, but also just the the reality of it is like, yeah, like we would we would bomb our own country if we had our own Godzilla, you know and and it's like there's then there's a part of you that's just like, well, yeah, maybe maybe they would have to, I mean, if it means destroying all of New York so that the rest of the country is saved like yeah, that's, those are the types of decisions they may have to make sometimes, but also you're wondering, like, would they really, or would they try to, find a, so try to find a new solution if this was on our soil? But then it's like, but probably not, you know, which I think that's the, you know, that maybe that's connected to Cloverfield in that way, where I think they do have to bomb New York with a nuclear bomb to try to kill the Cloverfield monster. So it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe those two things are related subtly, at least thematically, you know, um, but, yeah, I thought that was, like, an, an interesting addition to kind of take your own way,
1: you know. This time I was really, like, the um, the day after the goggly-eyed Zilla leaves, where it's like the, you see the sunrise and there's music on the radio and everybody, the, your commute is affected. We're going to go. Like, it just, these people don't know they're in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> and it. It oh the was, tragedy is over. <laughs> <laughs> it and it, it I don't know if it just hit different in a pandemic sense. You know where it's like there's not it wasn't one inciting incident and it was the, the next day we could kind of go back to normal like it just it just hit different this time cuz it it was like nor you have to pretend to just go about your life with this giant freaking lizard thing giant lungfish thing came on shore and just decimated we have no idea where it came from we don't know anything and well you commute you're still going to work uh, the bullet train's running like your life is going like i don't know it was just really bizarre and i i loved it because it, it captured that kind of like cold morning commute tone everything and it, it's also like you kind of want to feel like oh it's over you know and that's how everybody's feeling but like i I don't know if I have that feeling anymore with COVID. Like, it doesn't, like, I it, I don't know. Like, it captured that kind of feeling in a way that I it just didn't hit me before. So I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right about, like, they have no indication that it's going to come back at all, let right. alone bigger. Right. But then on the other hand, what else can you do? Like, it's, it's not, unless we're evacuating, we aren't. Like, great, I'll sit down and cry all day. And then tomorrow, everything will be the same. So I might as well go <laughs> to work. Right? You might as well try.
3: And I like that you brought that up because I think, like I said earlier, one of my favorite scenes was kind of the emotion with this one after the destruction, right? And everyone kind of pauses and is like, "Holy shit!" You know, I mean, we lost a lot. We could, we tried to avoid this, and now everything's fucked. And so I, I thought a lot about that scene. I didn't at all think about the oh shit, there's a giant monster. Okay, school work we're, we're good go back to work um, and how that hits different now yeah i I like that I like thinking about it in that way
1: it's also like to go from that morning to in two weeks, America's going to bomb you again right not in tokyo this time like it it it's just. I don't know, because you see every level of government do all of these things, you, and you see, like, aid going to people and, like, the size of the threat and the size of the destruction, like, it it really makes it modern and it feels very visceral and authentically scary. Like, you, you see how a threat of this kind would, would impact every level of person in this country. It, it just... And and so quickly, like the idea of that escalation. Oh, we were back to work after he left the harbor. Now Tokyo is gone. Like that's that's insane, you know. Like or this this bur or whatever section of it that he decimated. Like it just and the idea of like yeah, you got to evacuate. What was it? Three billion people. Like I don't remember how many people. Just like a huge amount of people in Google says weeks. right
0: now 13.96 million people
1: for Tokyo just like with with half of the government gone and emergency services where and are they centrally like power outage all all of that stuff just just an incredible again like the 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 scale in the, in that in the human story too that that i think that's something that gets lost with it. The the uh, legendary kaiju ones like Godzilla and Kong and that stuff like I, I think you ca- they usually focus on like central characters and kind of like a a team around them rather than a government as a whole or anything like that. So I, I think just it, it's hard to have that sense of scale and 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 weight to the human story too as as contributing to the the terror and the commentary of the threat like. But I love those big, dumb movies, too. Like, I, I liked King of the Monsters. Godzilla vs. Kong is incredible. Skull Island is damn near perfect. Like, <laughs> I I enjoy that side of it, too. And it's kind of funny because those more kind of how they've gotten more alien and weird and more ridiculous in the human stories, they kind of call back to the Toa era of film or Toho stuff. So it's it's like now they're a parody of what came before because they're bad. I don't know. It, it's interesting that they've become the, the B movie parody of themselves, too, in, in certain things. Like Godzilla's Ouroboros, he's eating his tail. <laughs> I also really
0: like the competency of the military for the brief sections in which they are present. You know, how, how many times have you seen helicopters attack a giant monster and it reaches up with its arm and swats a helicopter out of the sky? And it's like, what the fuck? They attack here from like outside the city basically right they're hovering like across the river halfway up a mountain you know as far as they can and godzilla doesn't even touch them because it can't right the tanks as soon as godzilla turns and takes a step the next shot is from the ground as the radio says all takes to new positions and they just start driving right (laughs) because they're not fucking stupid you know there's none of that Hey guys, it's walking this way. Do you think we should do something, or should we just keep shooting? It's just they're moving already, right? Boom. Because again, like thought went into it, and I think that's kind of what I like most about this film is that almost every level of response in every player is is inherently competent. There's none of that real. There's none of those brain dead moments you get out of a lot of other films, right? Of the like, yeah, let's fire helicopter right up as close to it as we can get, or the um oh it's gone let's return to work not oh it's gone let's all go crowd around where it was pile half the city's population into a single footprint size you know there's it it just makes sense everything just makes sense you don't need a lot of exposition because it's really obvious like yeah here is what they're doing here's why
1: done show don't tell as much fun as it is watching cgi helicopters get swatted through buildings in manhattan there <laughs> is something nice about watching them <laughs> shoot from cover also like great shots of like the choreography of the helicopters too like the way they kind of swoop and maneuver i thought the kind of formations that they had done too was kind of mm-hmm. cool it's like a, those... a michael bay thing but not not gross you know it seemed like yeah. very very intuitive and well well choreographed yeah, you get those those great tank shots of like the cameras oh. on the body of the tank as the body the rotates they rotate, one way and yeah. the turret
0: rotates the other way and
1: fires. It's brilliant. Sexy tank maneuvers. It's crazy. Yeah. I
3: had a couple of goofy favorites in addition to the yeah. destruction of the city. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think one, um it was a war room scene and they're talking about what should we do, what can we do? And they had the you know, it's a kind of a shot upwards from the desk, like from underneath them looking at their faces as they're like leaning over the desk. And then the, uh, like text of the statutes or the regulations they're talking about are superimposed. And as a, as a person who works in state legislative policy, you know, policy has never looked cooler than in, that scene. <laughs> I just really appreciated the war room with the text of statute. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, and then the other one, uh, was, the prime minister's press conference where he says there's no threat of <laughs> of godzilla coming on land and they interrupt him and say hey uh actually and then he's like he's what and then cut to godzilla coming on land and then him like they didn't have to do him like that that was just wholly <laughs> unnecessary to to put that put him in that position like why interrupt and whisper as he's talking like let him walk off stage let him come back for another press conference and revise there's no need to there's no need to put him in that situation
1: (laughs) we have no idea what's happening
3: that minute counted (laughs) that hurt his feelings
1: He's de- he's dead by the end of this act. Come on, give him some <laughs> dignity. Exactly, <laughs> he has <Yeah>. a family. <laughs>
3: right, he's trying to make a call out there. He, he thought it was fine. You didn't have to put him on the spot like that. See,
1: that aide was disgruntled. This is you spat <laughs> yeah. in my face for that tea yesterday. <laughs> so now, fuck you. <laughs> well,
3: unpaid internship, my ass. I'm going well, I down also with.
0: Like it. the idea that it it shows transparency, right? Like he could have just said oh okay thank you and it continued his press conference instead he says what and then goes <laughs> like he goes to work because who cares what I look like this problem
1: yeah. got bigger <laughs> right.
3: that's true there's some real time transparent- transparency there
1: Yeah, <laughs> the threat was bigger than his ego which <laughs> right. doesn't happen in these kinds of
3: movies
2: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also like there's another it was a short scene but when um that, that one woman who's like very stoic through the whole thing i forget like you know she's one of like the scientists working together and she had uh there's one of the ideas that one of the other guys laughed at and her idea ended up being right but the scene when they're they're evacuating that room that they've been in and like you see everyone running around grabbing stuff and then you just see kind of her walking around the back of the room and then back towards the door like completely calm just like doing her thing like okay we're evacuating and leaving and everyone else is like panicking and trying to grab stuff and throw it in boxes and she's just like doo, 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 doo.
1: <laughs> i like that it, it i feel like she has anxiety all the time and she's like this is i've been preparing for this it all just went wrong i was <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
2: laughs> oh, speaking of which did anyone see that that meme with with uh, the 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 boys meme where they did that where it was like uh like you know Starman was there and then homelander talking to the deep being like oh you're not gonna have to get real horny and he's like that's my secret i'm always horny <laughs> <laughs> which you haven't seen the boys that joke isn't going to make sense but if you've seen the boys then gross
0: <laughs> so overall Zeke, what do you think do you, i mean you've said you like it right mm-hmm. do you yeah. joel's mentioned it's Favorite Godzilla movie? Are you inspired to look more at the past that's inspired Godzilla to branch out elsewhere, or just has it made you really hate Brian Cranston's movie even more? Like, <laughs> what do you think? What are you thinking for the future? A rewatch? Something else?
3: Uh, yes to all. Yeah, I think it's one that as soon as I finished, I kind of wanted to watch again already. I, um, you know, I got it on the Amazon seven-day rental, and I'm planning on hitting that again. <laughs> Uh, at least once more while I still have it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Definitely would rewatch that again. And I think I would like to explore some of the others. You know, it's something that, I mean, I've always been aware of that universe and have seen bits and pieces as they've come out or as they've been on TV and I'm flipping around. Um, but I'd like to kind of sit down and more thoroughly dig into it and and um, get a feel for it. But I don't know, I, I do, I might be with Joel. I think I have a feeling that this one might be, a favorite for me so um yeah two thumbs up
1: well i can't believe you don't own this yet i'm waiting for the right steelbook (laughs) you you even sent me when it was like dirt cheap on amazon you're like you have no excuse and i i I waited and i'm i was wrong Uh, so real quick i wanted to say another favorite scene is in when they have the four-pronged uh uh plan and he uh he kind of uh spits out the first uh he decimates those cranes for, and then they send all of the uh trains at him with the bombs. And then they shatter the skyscrapers around him onto to Godzilla. And the way it, it crashes, I don't know. They, they, it just looks real. They look like they have weight. I, I, I mean, I watched the four and a half hour nonsense. That was the last transformers movie with the 18, like whatever that was, I don't know, like, that stuff is just, like, CGI nonsense, but this, like, felt really weighty. Again, it established that scale. It's like, as big as Godzilla is, there's skyscrapers bigger, and they're sacrificing them to try and subdue him. And just, like, I, I thought that was another really cool thing. Yeah, I, I need to own it. It's it's a problem.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Zeke. Thank you for watching Shin Godzilla with us. Thank you, Tim and Joel, for rewatching it. That oh, had time. to ask Joel to to, uh, to <laughs> late, right. But thank you all. And that brings us now to uh, not quite the last of our what if series. I understand we have a surprise plan
1: for our fourth what if, but are we are we not doing my favorite we... segment, Scott? Did you just? Oh God! Did Christ. you just? Joel, I screwed up the <laughs> intro
0: for the first time ever. I I'm not here today. I'm all over the place. <laughs>
1: Tim was like, Oh, is he gonna dose? No, you know oh, is do he you gonna favorite
0: segment when you buy Shin Godzilla? <laughs> go, show me your Amazon page. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> All right.
1: Oh, uh, consumerism. Uh, <laughs> yes, please, please do the <laughs> please do the thing. I'll put it right here. It is it is time for <laughs> another <laughs> situational movie recommendation. <laughs> uh, so what is your favorite feature or creature features is is the prompt. Movies with a monster of whatever size, but just favorite creature features. Well, listen, Alien. Listen, Alien. I mean, I, I see Alien constantly
0: fair. all the time for so many reasons. So there you go. Right.
1: Alien might have come up as much for you as The Matrix with Tim before we started watching God, The Matrix. Really. Because <laughs> if we had, <laughs> the amount of utterances of the word matrix on this podcast is insane.
0: <laughs> I will sort of anti-call out the thing, though.
1: Which You don't like thing. it. I know you I don't, mean, don't like it.
0: I mean, again, I don't think it's, like, god-awful, but it just it has some problems. There's something about, we talked about practical effects a little bit, right? And the thing gets a lot of props. But that portion hey, of the dog kennel, props. when, you know, sort of peak peak practical effects... It just feels like puppetry to me in a way that the alien chestburster or Yoda from Empire Strikes Back don't. And I can't explain why. I don't know enough about it, obviously just some chump, but it didn't quite cross the bridge of suspension of disbelief for me. Um, and then there were a couple of pacing concerns. So even on Creature alone, I you know I still stick with Alien and with Huishin uh, Godzilla. And then I guess you have to talk about Jaws in that the creature barely shows up in the damn movie because it didn't work half the time, but obviously that's not important to your creature feature. It doesn't
1: <laughs> like, need to be. It, it, it right. works for what it needed to work for. Right. I, it's I not a creature feature,
2: it's a feature with
1: a creature. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's in there, we promise. Nope. Just keep watching. <laughs> I saw that like for the first time on a big screen, and when, when the captain dies in that thing... I for all oh, I always forget how bloody and brutal it is, and it's like it it's really grotesque. I, I was really surprised this time to see it again. Good effect, good creature. Tim, do you have one?
2: I think for me, it's probably. Well, I mean, there there is Cloverfield, but that but that you know, it's in terms of like an individual thing, just the first movie the one that's actually called Cloverfield, not the two that are supposed to be related to it. <laughs>
1: Supposedly.
2: Um, yeah. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just, I just really like that. I mean, you know, we've already even talked about that in this, in this podcast. Um, but uh, also I, I like the Predator. I think like mm. of the, especially in terms of like a franchise, like if we had to pick a franchise, that would definitely be it. Um, Cause yeah, I, I, I just like that it's, I don't know, there, there there seems to be a little more backstory to the idea behind it and it and it totally makes sense and it's totally like, you know, there's there's the metaphor there. I mean, you know, there's metaphor in, in all of the 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 creature features, but you know, the idea that it's like some some species is just like, yeah, we're just gonna come fucking hunt you, you know, because we can, you know. I, I love that about it. And I love the that it's a combination of the brutalness of the species, but also their gear you know, they have technology too. So like that, like making them super formidable. Um, And then, you know, if humans do end up eventually triumphing against them, it's like, okay, cool. Like we, we found a way to win, even though, you know, yeah, it's a brutal murderous species with all this advanced technology and we still found it. So I think I really do dig those. And I also love how with those, there tends to be like this slow reveal, of the monster. Yeah, like you know, again, at first you don't see it, and then when you finally get glimpses of it, and then you see it, and then it takes a while to see it in all its glory and everything. And um, so yeah, I
0: really enjoy those. Yeah. Predator Yeah, you're right. Like even as a franchise, the films can get a little goofy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, yeah. Predator 2's whole subway scene, right? But like but despite that, it kind of doesn't matter because the atmosphere was secondary to the thing itself. That's a really good point. I don't I think you just made me realize I like the Hydra franchise more than I thought I did. <laughs> and I, I liked it, but yeah, I really need to take another look. Yeah. I haven't seen Prey yet. That's also on the list, but
1: yeah, I mean, I'm excited yeah. to see it. It's Yeah. I'm excited for you to see it and <laughs> let me know what you do. Cause we got to talk about it. <laughs> Zeke. WrestleManiac for <laughs> not quite a creature feature.
3: <laughs> Some sort of creature, kind of.
0: Right, I mean, as creature, right? Is, uh, is Halloween a creature feature? Right. Because it doesn't feel like it.
1: But you just don't he's... like Carpenter today. You, you're, try- you're taking no, shots at all I <laughs> haven't seen Halloween yet, and I'm really excited for it. You
0: should. I'm super you... eager for that. But just that, you know, he's, Mike Myers is clearly a supernatural thing, but it doesn't strike the me shape. as a creature, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I was just giving you shit. I... It's fair, No, it's fair. You don't like Kubrick you and you don't honest. like Carpenter. <laughs> I haven't seen enough Carpenter to
0: say, but eh, Kubrick's one for several, right? So <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was going to say, I think one for me where the creature maybe is not there a whole lot is A Quiet Place. I know that's more about Ooh, the premise yeah. and the setting and all of that. But I the glimpses you do get of the creature are pretty cool. I, don't, I still haven't seen Quiet Place 2. Maybe I'll Ooh, do that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um,
3: do. But I feel like that's a good creature feature with less creature. And I think one for me with, two for me with more creature, um, I mean, Jurassic Park for sure. Um, that's multiple creatures. That's creatures feature. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Anaconda. I saw Anaconda when I was little and i haven't seen it since so i don't know if it's actually i think it's not good um (laughs) from things i've seen reviews lately i haven't seen the movie lately so i know that it's not looked upon well but i liked it when i saw it when i was little so that one that's solid (laughs) in a similar vein i guess
0: to the dress dark and halloween question right is terminator a creature feature no. no.
1: <laughs> Decidedly not. It's <laughs> robots Stop from the future. <laughs> robots is not creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so I I really like werewolves. Um hmm. so like American werewolf in London and the howling are just incredible for, for that. Also uh um Ginger Snaps is a really good interesting werewolf movie too i still haven't seen teen wolf all the way through i need to sit i need to sit that i know i know i know (laughs) um but like tremors tyne and i watch the the tremors series and we love all of those films all of them equally and they run the gamut boy they there is some stuff in there it's it's one of my favorite creature feature franchises because every time I make an outrageous guess watching one for the first time. It's confirmed within five minutes. Like, oh, is this one back in time? It's back in time. Oh, are they going to go to Africa? They went to Africa. <laughs> like, it's, it's been the most, <laughs> in terms of crowd-pleasing me, <laughs> Tremors is un, unmatched. <laughs> I love it. And that first film, really, like, I, I like the, I think they're all good. But that first film really holds up. Like it's a really interesting different kind of creature feature. And it it, it it's young Kevin Bacon, it it Reba McIntyre's in it. It's a it's insane. <laughs> Sharknado. <laughs> okay. Here's my thing. If you're gonna watch something schlocky like that, watch watch Sharktopus. Don't watch Sharknado. Watch Sharktopus because it's really really entertaining. Sharknado I couldn't make it past 5 minutes. It's just terror mm. Reid got on and it just it's really tone deaf in the way it's edited and written. Shark like seriously Sharktopus, I'm not joking. Sharktopus was really good. And <laughs> the CGI guy is crap, but it's really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea – my friend Chelsea and I really like B-monster movies like that, so that's how we start. We started a marathon with that, and everything else was really bad in comparison, and it, that, that was genuinely good.
0: In keeping with my being annoying about questioning this classification theme, <laughs> but like Edge of Tomorrow, like
1: – Ooh, that alien. See, and that's the thing, right. like – I. This this bunches up against the the sci-fi as setting versus genre, right? Conversation that we've had a million times, but Certainly. like the idea of I mean Predator, I I didn't question at all. I thought like Creature Feature right. for sure, right? So I think Aliens alien in, in yeah,
0: right. Because that's, that's I guess that's the thing, right? Like I I wouldn't instinctively call Edge of Tomorrow a Creature Feature because a Creature right. Feature has certain a certain horror focus about it that sort of precludes it from being an
1: action movie right um and also edge like of... a focus on the creature too that's the other thing is like sure. edge of tomorrow is very much this is time travel like that's how it was marketed that's the central mm-hmm. tenant of the plot like the the creature's more incidental it's yeah. like it could have been any thing but ooh in a great little like sliver of um the great wall which i still think is
0: phenomenal despite being cheesy um People have liked that. I'd still need to see it. It's the I gods mean, of the ancients of its era. It's great. I they fight a lot of monsters, but it's such a much more organized you know, the whole point being the wall is the bulwark against the monsters. Right. But but then the mist. Hmm. They're both just these sources of monsters of unending horrors that, that come. The monsters are super weird and creepy and they kill humans. But the mist feels much more creature feature. The Great Wall feels much more Edge of Tomorrow. Right? Even though the the rough physical setting of we're here the monsters are out there they're unknowable and hard and violent right so that does that make sense in terms of what i'm thinking as far as oh yeah yeah sure. focus yeah. and then i have to call out once again invasion of the body snatchers which i know i end up talking about almost as much as alien for some reason but yeah <laughs> uh, but damn <laughs> it's just <laughs> so good the uh, the whole whole thing
2: I
1: like yeah, the, the blob mist is too. so good. I'm
2: blob surprised was I didn't think of the mist. Yeah. But yeah, because there isn't like focal type of monster, but yeah, just Fine. the idea that, you know, like it, it could be anything out there. Yeah. And, and, and even once you, there is a reveal, it's like, that's not as bad as it's going to get.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Great. I still need to see that. I've seen the mist. That's, that's Shemlon, right? Well, I know the story of Stephen King, if it's the same. Oh, it's not. And they did a, the There's far? like a
2: movie version and I think a series. I think they made a series more recently. Yes, there is a they did. So version. the film
0: is from 2007, and the director is Frank Darabont. Yeah, that was oh, that's yeah. what
2: I saw. That's really good. Exactly. And they changed the I'm ending from about. the book, and the ending <laughs> of the movie is so good. <laughs> uh,
0: and then the TV series started in uh, one season in 2017.
1: And then I... I have to say Rodan every time I talk about creature features because I Rodan is an underappreciated kaiju, but and it, it, his origin movie is good. Like, really a quality kaiju movie of that era, the Rodan movie is really good.
0: Yeah, that was a good one, Joel, and it was thematically appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah,
1: yeah two I, points. I'm surprised it hadn't come up before, so I'm I was glad to snatch up that one. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, thank you.
0: Um, am I missing anything else, like seriously though? Because I'm losing <laughs> my mind.
1: So, or are we, at, are we at the edge? We haven't started, Scott. We haven't oh, started geez. in five years. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you still uh, haven't gotten the intro right. <laughs> uh, uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Simple and Hunter. <laughs> Even in defeat, he is graceful. <laughs> got the mumble part right at least. There you can never go. be wrong. That's the whole
0: point of the name. <laughs> Welcome to move ever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm Scott. <laughs> this, this if you, friends. <laughs> no. if you
1: don't think I'm going to edit that in instead of the intro. Did <laughs> oh, wrong.
0: <laughs> oh
1: God. Uh, well, anyway, this that's for this the does Patreon guys.
0: <laughs> to the wrap up. Uh, the, not quite finale, but the last normal pick of our what if series, Tim, what have you decided that Zeke needs to see?
2: So, well, so here's the thing last week uh, or not last week, last podcast. And we can, we can cut this part out if you want. Um, after, I think, I think you had gone to like eat or to bed. Um, and Before I, I coming actually back asked, like a ghost. Z, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. You popped in, <laughs> for a little bit. but, but I was, I was asking Zeke cause I was like, well, I kind of feel like if, if I'm going to, if we're going to watch just one, like, I kind of want it to be something Zeke's actually interested in. So we kind of had a discussion. And I think the two that I was kind of, or I don't know, I forget, I forget if we decided between the two of us or the ones that I narrowed it down to were either uh, Koyanis Gatsi or Freddy Got Fingered. So, like, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. And uh, I think a, a part of it, too, is the other ones I thought about bringing, like, he had already been there for. Like, I think Mother was one of the ones I was thinking, but but that's when, you, you know, he was already on. So, so, I kind of left it to him to be like, "Oh, are you leaning one way or the other?" and a- after the conversation, he kind of hadn't decided between one or the other so So, I'm interested to hear if if you've made a decision, Zeke, or if you're still kind of back and forth and you want me to just pick between the two or
3: so between those two i picked i was thinking I was actually thinking pie." I was going to see what you thought about me just fucking throwing all of that out the window. <laughs> Cause I, was yeah, that's, to, that's like, I, I like sitting in on mother. I like, you know, listening in on some of your other Aronofsky ones. And I kind of like to see that wrap up. So between those two, I'm going to pick the third one if that's okay with
2: you. Yeah, no, that's cool. That, yeah. That was part of the point is like, you know, I, I want you, I want it to be one of my picks that you're interested in. So,
3: yeah. You know. And I'm interested in all of them. So it was hard, but I don't know. I feel like that one kind of won for me.
1: Nice. That's, My yeah. fantasy picks that. just went they just <laughs> lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> 2 out of 3 ain't bad. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, I, I probably haven't something. seen
2: I probably haven't seen Pie since we recorded that episode either. Oh, so nice. That's
0: that's a really that's a deep throwback too, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Is that that sort of it is a kind of a weird middle point between the other two movies you were considering, actually. Yeah. Um, it's it got is. the existentialism and, yeah. and it's also got the
1: like bizarre train ride through a man's mind. So it's gonna be great actually. That'll be a cool revisit because that was the first Aronofsky movie I was aware of that it was Aronofsky. I think I had seen Noah Likewise. And... So that was a that was a great entry point. And it'll be cool to see with the perspective of the fountain and, and mother. mother. Yeah. Uh, that'll be really cool.
0: That's going to be great. Awesome. So a
1: little bit of a surprise there for our, yeah. our
0: <laughs> third What If series here. I have to revisit Pi. Mm-hmm. Uh, pie being, of course, numbers related, not delicious pastry related. <laughs> oh, wait, what?
1: I not mind that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say we should all Hold on. What? Hold up. <laughs> we should all up. eat it's pie. while we record. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no, yeah, that will be wonderful. That'll be great. I've really enjoyed revisiting our old films with you, Zeke. I,
3: yeah, thanks you for both that idea. It, you
0: know, we've talked about this in terms of just, it's nice to go back on my own and see them after time has passed. It's great to hear Joel and Tim's thoughts after time has passed. It's super great to get your thoughts just in the first place. Yeah,
3: it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, you, I, appreciated, you out well. I appreciated you bringing me in on those. And it's been fun to, yeah, fun to watch. Two of the three, I can't wait for the third.
0: Yeah, it should be great. Thank you all for listening with us, listeners, and for enduring all of my half form sentences to this exhausted, chilled recording session. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. And until next time, everybody, good night.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Movie Mumble comes to you from NerdSthatGeek.com. Visit nerdsatgeek.com for all things Movie Mumble. Movie Mumble is hosted by Scott Murray, Joel Lewis, Tim Gerard, and Zeke Perez. The Movie Mumble theme song and all its variations were composed by Tim Gerard. The situational recommendation theme was composed by Joel Lewis, Scott Murray, and Tim Gerard reluctantly. This episode of the Movie Mumble podcast was edited by Joel Lewis. And is our fourth
0: one going to be Zeke Picking from the remaining films on the list? Or is it going to be Back to the Future? Or is it going to be something else altogether? Or oh, no, we, we're just going to
2: watch season. Bad time at the El Royale again. <laughs> the cycle is what if everyone <laughs> we're watching it as if you're part of it, not as a special guest bringing it. Right. That'll put <laughs> some we, of the pressure we off. We should,
1: we should do it like it we're on Zeke's podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I had
3: three guests. Um, <laughs>